What's up, achievers? Welcome to it. <laughs> What's up, achievers? Welcome to episode three of Achieving Fitness, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We are Lauren and Jason Pack, and today we're going to talk about how often we work out, how to train around bilateral knee pain, workout modifications and considerations during your pregnancy, and rest and recovery for optimal performance. So we're really excited today. We hope you're excited too. Let's get into the show. So we decided to keep in the burning after just an outpouring of love and support <laughs> For that uh, little phrase there. Um, nobody nobody <laughs> offered any lovers. <laughs> Alright, so I apologize if my nose sounds super nasally. I'm very allergic right now and I can't seem to shake it. So, But the show must go on. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start things off by talking about um, a little story. Story time. Um, at the gym currently, we're doing something called Achieve 60. Where we challenge our members from, this, uh, from September 15th through the end of the year... Can they manage to get 60 workouts in? That averages to about, what, 3.75 3. a week. 3.75 a week. And one of our members came up to me and was asking, like, kind of, like, wh- where he should be at right now. And I think we did the math, and it came out to about 18. And he was actually at the 18 mark. And I was like, wow, Jerry, that's so impressive. I'm only at 14 right now. And he essentially just laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> As only Jerry could do. <laughs> And he was like, you live here. You should have way more than me. <laughs> and I think it's kind of a common misconception that trainers and coaches work out six or seven or even more times a week. And I think, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very common misconception. Yeah. And he actually came and talked to me about it afterwards. And he was just like, I was actually really surprised. Like he wasn't just just laughing at you. <laughs> he was like, I was really surprised because I thought that I just assumed that you all work out every day because you're here every day and you have access to it every day. And so then we started talking about how, you know, even though, yes, we are there every day, that doesn't mean that we think it's a good idea to work out every day, that we yeah. do need to rest and recover. And actually, that's a question we're going to uh, go further into later in this podcast. But yep. um, yeah, I think it was a sense of relief too for Jerry to be like, oh, I like I'm doing just as much as my coaches are doing and, yeah. and that was nice for him to hear. So there's I mean there there's so many people when they first come into achieve, they're like they almost seem relieved when we tell them, hey, let's start off at like two or three times a week, something that you can really manage uh, consistently for the long term. And they seem so relieved when yeah. we're not telling them to work out five or six times a week because it's just that it's very um tough to sustain that unless you've been doing it for a long time. And I, I think we, we think that unless you're competing in a sport like powerlifting or bodybuilding or Olympic weightlifting, um, training more than four times a week will have diminishing uh, returns. And also it could have potential injury risking um, detriments as well. Yeah. I mean, working out intensely for five or six times a week is, is going to eventually wear on your body if you're not really programming uh appropriately and correctly. Yeah. And it depends on the type of workout too. So we're specifically talking about strength training, Mm -hmm. right? And we'll get into more later about, you know, where does walking or yoga fall into that category? And being active is different than working out or strength training. And I think that's a big differentiator as well. You can be active Mm -hmm. all the time every day, um, but actually specifically targeting your, your specific muscle groups and training in a way that is affecting your muscles is going to be different so yeah yeah that's a good clarifying point that it's not we're not telling you not to be active yeah. but. <laughs> i'm telling you to just lay down and do nothing for the other days but, yeah. but if you're listening to this and you're 
you're about to start on a fitness journey and you're overwhelmed thinking about how many changes you need to make. I think our members, our members average about two times a week and they see incredible results from just general strength training a couple times a week. And they just do that consistently over the long run. So don't worry about thinking about going to the gym and making this huge priority. Just work, just work out two times a week. Do that consistently for a long time. And then if you plateau, you can start to add another day here and there. But um, it's you don't have to go crazy with it. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So let's get into question number one, official question number one, which is from Jen Phelan. And she said... Um, I have a client with severe bilateral knee pain. I have regressed all bending movements so very much. I'm not sure what my next step would be. She's seen doctors but refuses to go to a PT because it's, quote unquote, just something she lives with and bad knees run in the family. Any suggestions? Um, well, she mentioned that she uh, her focus is to get her more hip and ankle mobility and allowing the knees to rest as much as possible. She's having her do quad sets but not squatting at all. Even sit to stand from a box with assistance. I'm stumped. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So I think, um, first of all, I think she's doing everything really well, yeah. focusing on hip mobility, ankle mobility, and trying not to do any sort of bending movements. With bilateral knee pain, the biggest thing you need to worry about is when the knees come forward. As soon as the knees start to shift forward, um, like in a squatting movement or in a lunging movement, it tends to place a lot of pressure on the knee um, itself. And that's usually fine for most people, but if someone has cranky or sensitive knees, that's going to irritate it quite a bit. So basically what you want to think about is exercises that promote a weight shift back. So things like a deadlift motion, a Romanian deadlift, a single leg deadlift, or even things like stability ball hamstring curls or single leg hip thrust, barbell hip thrust, all things that keep the knee back away from going towards the toes is going to have um, less of a shearing stress on the knee, which is going to be a lot better for it. And so a way that we address this uh, as far as programming modifications go is if somebody is having pain with squats and lunges, we will change the squat to be something that's more hip dominant. So we'll, but it's on two legs still. So we'll change the squat to be a deadlift, for instance. And then with the lunge, it's a move on one leg. So we might change the lunge to be a single leg deadlift. So we're just, we're still kind of trying to keep the program similar in that exercises that are done on one leg stay done on one leg and exercises that were done on two stay on two. But we're, we're changing them just so that the knee isn't going over the toes like Jason was just saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the big thing is basically do no harm. So any yeah. movement that causes harm, obviously you want to stay away from. And I think the second part of all this is to make sure to constantly reinforce and educate your client that how important physical therapy would be um, for her health and performance at the gym as well. And basically not to get into this sort of negative mindset where um, her health and her genetics have predisposed her to be in a situation of pain because that's a very... Um, you know, negative mindset to be in. So, you know, obviously we're not going to have her um, immediately go to the physical therapist because she's in such a place where she doesn't trust them or doesn't think it's going to work. But over time, hopefully it'll start to um, be, be very evident that it would help her out. Yeah. And it probably would help too to have a physical therapist that you directly um, send people to. So if you have a good relationship with them, it doesn't seem so much like 
oh, you're broken, you go, you need to go see someone. It's more like, oh, you know, this friend of mine who's a PT is so great and works with knee pain specifically and could really help you out and it'll speed up this process for you. So I think also the way that you direct them to PT can be, um, even just the language that you use can be really, uh, or make a big difference. So not saying, I don't want to work with you because you're broken, so I'm going to send you away. People are going to be like, no, I want, but I want to work out. I don't want to be told that I can't do anything. So instead saying going to see a PT is going to speed up the process and we're going to actually be able to do more in the gym if you're seeing a PT, that can change their mindset around what it means to go see a PT. Yeah. So Jen, we think you're doing a fantastic job. Keep up with the hip mobility, ankle mobility, and just basically do exercises that don't cause any stress to the knee. So avoiding squatting and lunging, but more attacking things from a hip dominant standpoint, like deadlifting or hamstring curls and those sorts of variations. Sweet. All right. Thanks so much for that question. Um, number two comes from Flannery, who is a former achiever. Um, she, she's moved out toward to Western Mass, but we miss her dearly. And she asked um, if we could discuss workout modifications and considerations during pregnancy. And this is definitely a topic we love to talk about because uh, in our area specifically, we just live in sort of this vibrant young community where we have, I, I don't think we've ever had at Achieve a, a day where somebody hasn't been pregnant. Like <laughs> yeah. when we opened, two of our women, like of the 25, were pregnant. <laughs> so like, and it's been that way forever. So we do have a lot of experience with this. Um, so I want to talk about um, considerations, kind of breaking it down by trimester, because that's a little bit easier to go about doing. Um, but first, I actually just want to say that with with pregnancy in general, we do highly encourage strength training in some form. Um, not only because it'll be the easiest form of exercise to modify as you progress throughout your pregnancy, but also when it's done properly, it helps you ward off back pain and pelvic pain, and it really prepares your body for labor, which is like the most physically <laughs> you know challenging thing that you're ever going to to do. So um, we really, really do encourage strength training in, in some capacity. So when it comes to training considerations, I think the number one thing to keep in mind is that every single woman is going to have different things come up for them during their pregnancies. And every pregnancy is going to be different. So the number one thing is to always ask how they're feeling. Always make sure that they you tell them that they, they should feel comfortable bringing anything to you, even if it feels like an uncomfortable topic, even if it feels like something that might be awkward. You need to know what they're feeling so that you can modify their program. So number one is just set that um, expectation up front that you want to hear it all <laughs> and, and let, you know, don't don't let any of that stuff make you uncomfortable. Just it's, it's going to be necessary to talk about. Um, number two is that each trimester presents with different issues. So I'm going to talk about the first trimester first, which is really, as far as training, not a lot has to change. You don't have to avoid very many exercises. Um, but the important thing to consider is that most likely most women are going to feel nauseous at this point. They're going to feel really tired at this point. Um, and so you just want to make sure that you take those things into account, that that's most likely how they're going to be showing up and that you may need to take their finisher out or, you know, certain exercises might make them feel a little bit nauseous. So just to be a little bit more patient in that point. And then second trimester, this is actually where women typically start to feel their energy return and they don't have as much nausea. They kind of feel a little bit more like themselves again. Um, but this is the point where we want to start being careful about certain positions. So obviously we want to avoid exercises where you're laying on your belly at this point. Um, but you also want to start limiting time spent on your back. So this is really just because the weight of the baby can press on a vein that carries blood back to the heart. 
Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't perform exercises on your back. So doing glute bridges, doing um, bench pressing, that's all safe and fine, but you just want to limit the time that you spend in one position, in one uh, laying down position. So uh, you want to try to keep it under 60 to 90 seconds, basically, of an exercise where you're on your back for the whole time. Um, another thing here is limiting anything that makes you feel an outward pressure along your abdominal wall. So this is usually seen with planks or push-ups or anything where your belly is facing down toward the floor. Um, and what happens is it's just that gravity is pulling your belly down. Um, for some women, they're not going to feel this at all throughout their whole pregnancy. They may just feel like that position is fine. Um, but for many, they're going to feel this kind of straining sensation right around the belly button, and it can feel very uncomfortable. As soon as you feel that at all, we would start to avoid planks and push-ups and anything in that, um, in that plank position. So those are the main things for the second trimester. And then third trimester, um, here is where some of the fatigue will start to come back. At this point, you're feeling pretty exhausted just from carrying a lot more weight around. Um, and also we want to, I mean, of course we want to still be careful about those same positions that I talked about in the second trimester, but we also want to take into consideration that now is just a time to move and not a time to PR, not a time to even try to get much stronger. It's just to make sure, make sure you're still moving around, make sure that you still are doing what you can comfortably. Um, and then the last thing is that you will be actually starting to produce a hormone called relaxin at this point. And that's going to, relaxin is being released to help you prepare for childbirth. Basically, it makes your ligaments, especially in the pelvis, feel weaker and less stable because they need to open eventually to have a baby. So during this time, we have found that um, sometimes lunges and split squats can feel a little bit less comfortable because that area is, is being more opened up. So that's just something to check in on with your client just to ask them how things are feeling. If they're feeling like their hips feel very weak, then maybe don't put them in those more vulnerable positions. So, whew, I don't feel like I took a breath there. Oh, <laughs> that was great. But I feel, yeah, I mean, again, number one thing, like I said, that that was all very general still because those are just the, the main things that we see. Yep. But really number one thing is to just constantly check in on how the individual's feeling mm -hmm. and on what new things have come up that day, that week. Yeah, I think, and one other thing that I wanted to add to that was um, when we've had our members become pregnant, they've usually had a background of strength and fitness with us. So they're getting lower and lower in their inclined push-ups, and they're getting closer and closer to the floor. They're using less band assistance during the pull-ups. Um, and all these things are getting better, but as soon as they get pregnant and they start to gain weight, a lot of those things regress, right? Yeah. So the incline push-ups, you start to get more incline with each <laughs> and every week, and the band assistance gets um, uh, more and more. And it can be a little bit mentally um, sort of like fatiguing and like yeah. challenging and frustrating um, to see that lack of progress but you just need to always keep in mind that something amazing is going on in your body and you can always maintain your strength levels until afterwards and then you can start to pick things back up but having that little um just that little shift in mindset throughout your pregnancy yeah awesome cool. and then maybe we'll do another one on on postnatal uh pregnancy in a different yeah, podcast because totally. i think that's also very important but mm -hmm. for now hopefully that really helps um i also maybe just want to throw out a couple like tangible things that are typically we see able to be maintained throughout a pregnancy our squatting motions typically are are fine and you know early on we may have somebody who's been 
who's already been comfortable with a barbell and they might do barbell back squats, but second trimester, we might switch it to kettlebell squats. And then third trimester, maybe just bodyweight squats. So uh, just give to give you a little example of what Jason was talking about, how it actually feels like a regression, but really it's just variation to take into account all the different changes that are going on in your body. Right. Um, other things like TRX rows can be kept in pretty much throughout your whole yeah. pregnancy. Um, you know, glute bridges and glute activation exercises are really good because they help to keep you from getting into an excessive arch in your lower back. Yep. Um, core exercises, we typically do more standing up. So we'll do like a suitcase carry where you're holding a weight in one hand and walking. And that's also a very functional application of eventually you're going to be holding a baby in one hand and walking. So, um, <laughs> So those are just a couple tangible things that we usually are able to keep into programs. But then again, everyone's going to have different things, uh, like we keep saying. So just always checking in on, on the women that are actually going through the pregnancy and doing your best to accommodate that. Perfect. Cool. All right. Moving on to our last question. This one comes from Brooke. Let me read the full question here. She said, I know how important rest is for recovery and optimal performance, but how do you know when or how frequently to rest? What does rest actually mean? Sometimes I think a recovery class or a day of yoga counts as rest. What are your thoughts? So this one's a little bit tricky because it's so <clears throat> because it's so case dependent, right? So if someone is super deconditioned, a yoga class might be a really taxing and strenuous workout. Mm -hmm. As opposed to someone who might have been strength training for quite a while, if they do a yoga class, it has a very, um, you know, relaxing and resting component to it. Um, let's talk about um, someone who's been training for a little while who would need a recovery workout. Mm -hmm. And the basic premise of a recovery workout is that when you're working out, you're breaking your muscles and your tissues down and you want to rest in order to rebuild those tissues back up. And a lot of times actually just completely resting, just sitting on a couch won't actually help promote that. Something that would help promote that is being um, more active. So active recovery would be things like foam rolling or doing a stretching routine or doing yoga, um, things like that where it actually helps to promote bl blood flow, get your body moving and basically signal to your body that, hey, I'm going to continue to be active. So let's try to make sure that um, we're fully recovered for the next effort. And I think how you can gauge your recovery workouts is to use a scale of RPE, so rate of perceived exertion. So a scale of 1 to 10, anything above a 7 is going to constitute an actual workout session. Um, something in the 4 to 7 range would be more in line with what a recovery workout, an active recovery workout would be. So if you're running, keeping your pace to um, something that's like, 40 to 60% of your max heart rate would be a general rule of thumb. Or if you're biking, same thing. Um, if you're taking a yoga class, same thing. Be in that sort of four to seven RPE region. That, and that should trigger a very good um, active recovery benefit. Yeah, and I think the other types of recovery that are more relaxing, like say going to get a massage, for instance, yeah. that's a different type of recovery, I guess. So that right. is more of a mental recovery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, a massage might be, depends on the type of massage, not if it's deep tissue. <laughs> if you got Maureen, our, our massage therapist in there with her elbow in your back, it's not recovery. <laughs> um, but you know, going for going to a, to a spa day or doing a soak in a, in a bath or something like that, those are going to be relaxation strategies that are more of a mental break. And it also helps your body to really calm down and relax. But the active recovery is more for specific, you know, 
training recovery purposes versus just taking a moment to breathe and giving yourself some time and space away from the stressors in your life. So I would say that would be the the zero to four mm-hmm. RPE range, right? Or those right. like take a bath, meditate, those kind of things. They're they're still important. They sleep. still still should be their <laughs> sleep. Those are all actually recovery strategies and those are those are also equally important. But we wouldn't say that, you know, you should do that instead of going for a walk. You know, that should be in you know, in your recovery plan, but it shouldn't be an entire day. Uh, or does it need to be like an entire day? Like, oh, I meditated today, so I did my recovery. Like, it's not that should just kind of be yeah. part of your routine. Whereas active recovery and like intentional recovery, we think is more like yoga, walking, mobility that, work, mobility work, foam rolling. And how often would you say that people should do that? As often as they feel like they need it. Yeah. So if yeah, it's it's basically if you're training hard four times a week and you feel like the next time you go into workout, you're having a performance decrease. So like your weights aren't going up or you're not going as low in your squat, uh, things like that, then you might need some extra time um, either directly after your workouts or in between sessions to help um, uh, to help minimize that recovery time. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's basically case dependent. Case dependent. Yeah. yeah. But I, I would say probably one to two times a week is probably sufficient for most people in between workouts um, for higher level athletes that are training like double sessions per day. Like they're going to have to put in a lot more time. But for most people, one to two is going to be plenty. Yeah. And, that, and that, those sessions probably need to last like 10 to 15 minutes at most. And that's, yeah. that, that's going to be plenty. Um, the other factors are hydration and sleep and all those things that Lauren just talked about. They're going to be uh, probably have a much greater benefit in the long run. And you want to do those things daily. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, you want to sleep daily. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. Cool. That about wraps it up for our questions today. Sweet. So I don't know if we have anything else to say. (laughs) Do we have a story or any anecdote that we want to end on? Any embarrassing Lauren stories that we want to share? I feel like that's all we've done so far at the end of these things. All right, so that's it for today's episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the other major um, podcasting channels. Um, Also, follow us and ask us questions on any of our social media and across the board on Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube. It's all Achieve Fitness Boston, so you can search for us there. Um, Yeah. I think that's it. Until next time. Peace. Love. And muscles. muscles.